0: Welcome, I'm John Lynch and I'm the host of Feed the Underdog podcast, the show where we interview inspiring and successful individuals who have overcome adversity and beat the odds. Join us if you need inspiration and motivation and stay with us as we lead the pack forward and we deep dive into the secrets of what makes an underdog a top dog. Welcome, everybody. Um, We have an amazing guest with us now. Uh, This woman was pregnant at 11, drug addicted and convicted. And uh, she uh, basically went through horrific things that no person would want to go through. And she's also a clinical psychologist. She's a film producer. She's worked on Patch Adams and A Day of Trouble, amongst many others. And uh, look, I'll introduce the wonderful Cheryl Rich. Hi, Cheryl. How are you?
1: Hello there John. I'm honored to be here with you on the show with your listeners.
0: Yeah, it's great Good to have to you. Happy. Listen, you're, you 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 really struck a chord with me and your story was just amazing where you've come from, you know. Um you. drug addicted and pregnant at 11. What happened? What 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 happened in?
1: Well, you know, the story starts off uh I always say as especially as a clinical psychologist that everything stems from childhood. I just sincerely believe it. Some psychologists believe it's environmental. It's different genetics. I believe that it's childhood. But inside the wound of my mother, uh, she attempted to abort me. When I said attempted, she actually paid money. She left Cleveland, Ohio, uh, rode a bus four hours, maybe more, to Detroit, and took care of her business because she couldn't afford another child. She had an eight-year-old. And she had just left Baltimore for a new life to Cleveland and came up pregnant. So that abortion, as you can see, hi, (laughs) didn't actually work. I tell everybody I hid behind the left portion of the liver when the hanger came up, but uh, that will explain um, a little bit about the beginning of my journey. If I even know that story. So, so by 11 years old, And I'm writing a book right now, so there will be some details I won't go into extensively because I want to save something for the book. But yes, by 11, I'm pregnant, and that's a horrendous situation that's happening uh, in order to have that happen. And um, I'm seven months before the family finds out. Seven months. So you got a 11-year-old little girl walking around a household with two parents and a grandmother, Grandma Beulah. And my sister, who's eight years older, and a 11-year-old could be seven months pregnant and not be... Uh, that says a lot within itself. So, indeed.
0: That is a huge responsibility. I mean, <laughs> massive. I, I, I don't know. I mean, 11, I was playing football and, and these things. And, uh-huh. you know, adulthood yes. was something way off in the distance. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. As, at this age, and I'm very grateful to be able to state my age, 62, that I've lived to tell about it. I tell all of the youngsters, you either get to grow old or you make a beautiful young corpse. When I say that, they get, actually a lot of them have wanted to fight in the moment. Uh, But it's true, age is a gift. And at 62, I think about being 12-year-old mother, an 11-year-old pregnant little girl, and it's hard for me to even conceive that, and I lived it, wow. so I really get how unbelievable that is.
0: Coming through that, like when you're saying that, I get a sense of of there's this thing always fascinates me in a in a respectful way of how people how people get through these things. You know, I've heard lots of stuff, but how did you get through it so young? Did you have supports? What?
1: Well. You know, mom and dad, I came from a two-parent household, but um, it was the disconnection with me and my mother was there coming out of the womb. I had a grandma, Beulah, and grandma Beulah was the rock. Okay. And this woman lived uh, sharecropping. She couldn't read, you know, very much was, you know, uh, part of the entire enslavement movement. It was not the slave trade, uh, kings and queens. Uh, were snatched sold each other because there has always been conquer mentality in human beings but these were kings and queens snatched and brought to this land and so diabolical the entire situation and me calling myself a slave just eight months ago it dawned on me that enslaved and the enslavement uh, uh, movement that happened so my grandma Beulah Was my great grandmother, and she, of course, was very intertwined into that world. And yet, she couldn't read, but she had enough mother wit, is what we call it. And I don't know in your community, but in the black community, it's called mother wit. And that's what a book can't teach you. And Grandma Beulah, early on, when I was real young, I can remember digging in the trunk, finding fabric so that we could quilt together and she would have me my nickname is Tootie and she would always have me thread the needle because she couldn't see and I would thread the needle and she'd be so proud she'd clap and it was moments John that I remember Grandma was saying "Wow, well, look at you you're the smartest the nicest the strongest and the prettiest little girl in the whole wide world Why you can do anything show me your muscles turn around for Grandma and she'd clap And she literally could not read, but she did that religiously. And she always left pretty last, smartest, nicest, strongest. And I remember my mom coming in from work, working two jobs. Lord knows my mother saying is that she has a vegetable garden on her feet to keep good shoes on our feet, corns, calluses and bunions. And I remember that very clearly. Mom worked hard. And she would come in and hear Grandma Beulah and my mother would just say, oh, you're not. Why are you spoiling her? What is wrong with you? You're not. Stop spoiling her. You're not the strongest. You're not the nicest. You're not. And I remember mom being in my face. I have a memory and this is like five, maybe four. But um, I remember Grandma Beulah would be there and she would be over mom's shoulder and my grandma would roll her eyes up into the sky and shake her head like, oh, please. And when my mother would walk away, my grandma Beulah would pick me up and I could see the fat on her arms. And she would say, oh, don't you listen to senior. Don't you listen. Don't you ever listen to senior. Why, Tootie, you're the strongest and the nicest. And she start again. Oh. So coming through the disconnection, And I was told that getting pregnant disrupted the family and broke the family up, but the disconnection was there way before I got pregnant, which explains uh, what, you know, why a little girl could walk around seven months and no one knows. So saying all of that to say that when I was told I was bad, you tell a child they're bad, they become what you tell them. Yeah, of course. And I became real bad and I skipped over cigarettes, marijuana, uh, liquor. I started shooting heroin because I want it to be bad, just age, like everybody told me. What age, Cheryl, were you addicted to heroin? I was 13 God. when I took my first shot of heroin. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So I always want to bring a lesson out with every story and with everyone who is chosen and highly favored to to find John. And hear this podcast and have someone on this earth like John who has a heart to listen to me on Clubhouse and just feel this urgency that I have to implant seeds of love within everyone I can touch so that they will not hurt like I've hurt. We thank God for John. That's number one. So, each and every one of you that hear this podcast know that you are chosen and highly favored. And now you have the tools with every child that you meet, every positive word that you possibly can say. If you find yourself cussing at a child, saying, you're stupid. you Now you know, whoa, wait a minute. Mm. Let me stop. Because as sure as we are in ear, hearing of each other, what you say to a young mind will mold that mind and and by the time I'm in the midst of committing every crime that I could possibly commit shooting the drugs and drowning in pain I heard Grandma Beulah's voice and when people say how did you make it out of and if I'm saying this you could imagine how treacherous the journey has been and how the book will be but I always say In the midst of whatever, I heard Grandma Beulah's voice in the back of my mind. And I would say, why am I doing this? What's wrong with me? Why, I'm strong. So I share that with everyone, whether you're a parent, whether you see a child in a store. Tell that child, why, you're the strongest and the nicest and the smartest. Do that because that helped
0: me. It's, it's, yes, I agree. The messages that we receive, like they're like seeds <laughs> and the weeds grow amongst the flowers, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What a
1: visual. That's a great visual, John. Great.
0: I know what it's like. I, I believed the, I believe the negativity myself, you know, and it, for anyone out there, um, it's important to, to realize that there is a way out of that, but we get onto that later, but, Yeah, Your life didn't turn around then, did it, Cheryl? It got worse. You ended up in prison.
1: Yes. Tell us about what happened. My life got worse because um, when you're told you're bad, you become that. And what I started doing was catching cases, criminal cases, car theft, drug sales, felonious assault against a cop. Like, it couldn't get crazy enough. I tell everyone... I was the other half of Clyde. I became Bonnie. And I had a dad who was the only father I would known. He was not my real father, but I didn't know that till I was around 13. But Walter Wallace Grady was my daddy. And Walter had a third grade education. Like Beulah couldn't read, Walter had a third grade education. But he built a brick business and worked at Republic Steel. And we had an attorney, a family attorney. So when I caught a case, the shame I had already draped the family in with the child, they wanted to do everything possible to stop the shame. Because we live our entire lives, of course, concerned with what others think. Of course, shame is is a big
0: one, Cheryl, shame is a big one.
1: That's a no, no. Mm. Uh, But uh, my father would give our family attorney the money bag when I caught a case and I actually went inside the judge's chambers. And as uh, a clinical psychologist at 62 and most of all an ex-convict because eventually I went to prison, I, I can't even imagine going inside of a judge's chambers. It seemed the money would have been transferred in the hallway. But I would go inside the judge's chambers, watch the judge get a pros- uh, his cut, prosecutor get their cut, and my attorney would take his cut from the money bag that daddy sent. And it'd be a lot of laughter and a lot of jokes between all the men, and I would come out and stand in front of the judge and get probation. So early on, I understood that America's first heroes were America's first crooks. Mm. And I understood how the justice system worked, which made me, with a young mind, think, oh, well, this is just a game. I'll just keep getting in trouble doing what I want. Daddy will pay me out and everything will be fine. And that happened for six cases. Until finally I ran into a judge named Bert W. Griffin. And uh, I was standing in front of judges when I come out of that chamber and say, oh, I'm in, I'm in school and I had a baby so young. and You know, the sob story, But the payoff had already happened. But daddy found out I was shooting dope and stopped spending when I ran into Bert W. Griffin. That judge and that judge said four years, five months, Maryville's reformatory for women, and you can go on drug rehab when you get to the penitentiary. Get her out of here. Whoa. And yeah, that right there, you know, unable to be a mother to my own child because pain hurts and hurt people hurt, and most of all, until we make a choice. That's a huge word because we're human beings. Until we make the choice to break the chains of pain, it passes on.
0: What age did you enter prison at, Charles?
1: 25.
0: 25.
1: 25.
0: And your son was how old?
1: 13. 13. He was about 13 or 14 when he 13, saw me get 14. tackled by some bounty hunters and thrown in a police car. Yeah. Yep.
0: Like there's so much that happens in a life like that that isn't said I mean obviously uh, like so many days of craziness um, and yes. then, then the enabling stops and you end up in, in in prison I mean good luck bad luck who knows as the Chinese say but you didn't look at it like good luck I'm sure but what
1: Oh, no, not at all your
0: life must have changed no. in prison did it or not or what happened
1: oh god I tell everybody if you have a family member that's just wowing out and disrupting. And you see the self-destruction. Know one or two things. Prayer changes things. I'm no holy roller. I don't run up on the church every Sunday. But I am spiritually connected. And I'm here to tell everyone again who's listening to this that is chosen and highly favored. Because if you are listening to this, believe those words. You are chosen and highly favored. And whether it's you going through it or someone you know, pray, prayer changes things, and then, once you know you've done your due diligence and going to the Creator, whoa, wait a minute, hold on, did I say Creator? because I tell everybody I stopped all the names Buddha, God, all I call God God, but I just came up with Creator of all of Heaven and Earth, and if anybody can deny that, show me who lives forever. Mm-hmm. So there is something that created all this. And once you know you've done your due diligence with someone who you see this hurting so bad, they're just self-destructing or you're killing yourself or you hate yourself. Once you know, understand that everyone is not meant to change. They're not meant to be saved. Yeah, yeah. Some come as teachers. And that's what I realized Eric came for my son, he didn't come to stay long. He came as a teacher. He was high off of uh, liquor and wet when he caused the car accident and killed himself, hit a man head on and killed the man. But he came to teach gratitude in my life, the power of growing old if I lost him at 30. But by the time I got to prison, I understood something called being arrested and something called being rescued and sometimes you have to hit the brick wall in order they say they call it the bottom as we all know but in order to get rescued and that's how it was when I hit prison was the very first time that I was able to stop and realize that I wasn't that bad and I share that with everyone that's listening. Just as simple as this, if you wake up every every day you find yourself with some breath, <laughs> know that you're not that bad because you have grace to be breathing. That was one of the first messages that hit me when I hit the penitentiary.
0: Yeah. Cheryl, did your son pass away while you were in prison or what happened? Yeah.
1: Isn't that grace? Six months, 17 days after I came home. I did four years, five months in the penitentiary.
0: So you were released thoroughly? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I got home. But I, I, I often tell people it's something called ground legs when you're in prison. And when you go to maximum security, thank goodness I never had to. But you get out and your legs are wobbly. You can't walk because you've been laid in one space. You know, thank God we have legs to walk. But it's called ground legs. And so when you get home and you've done a certain amount of time, it takes a minute to get your ground legs. So Eric was gone six months, 17 days later. I didn't even have my ground legs. That situation, I never even understood when it says in the Bible. And for all those who believe in the Bible, uh, gave his only begotten son. That never even clicked until my only begotten son was gone. So he got killed once I came home. And that was really a blessing. I saw many people have to be shackled, uh, feet shackled, hands shackled, chains all around them to go to a funeral while I was in prison. I got spared that.
0: I I honestly, I can't believe, or or I I don't know what that's like. I, I have one daughter and, you know, um, She's the world to me, and yeah. um, I—I've. It's never happened to me, so I've only a sense
1: of what you're saying. Um, you, know, you know, you're right now. You're trying to find some words. I am. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. and I'm glad you are because I often tell parents, "Don't think about it." And as much as you may hear it, it happens to a very small percentage that burying your child. Don't even think about it. And most of all, know this, that you have the power to command life in your child. There was a situation that happened right before Eric got killed and his father, um, the the father that I said was his dad. um, At least I thought was. Let me put it to you like that. That part will be in the book. But um, he called and said, I I need to lay hands on Eric. Tell Eric to call me. I need to lay hands. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Second day. I need to lay hands on Eric, Cheryl. Tell Eric to call me. I gotta lay hands on Eric came in. uh, Eric, call call me. Call your father. He tripping. What's wrong? Tripping. Keep talking about laying hands on you. Third day. Cheryl! Cheryl! You gotta tell Eric to call me. I gotta lay hands. Huh. The next day, Eric was dead. So I take that lesson, and I tell all parents: you can command life over your child. <clears throat>
0: um, I, I, I'm just thinking that's happening. Um, it's very surreal to think about it, and you're just out of prison. I presume you're. You're. You're after being uh, sober a while. You may be in prison. Um, did you have the resources to get through this? How did you get through that? And what happened?
1: Well, I'm backtrack a little bit because you had asked me how I made it with Eric. I had support from my mother and father. With him in prison, I ended up knitting, and that's really what how I did the time to survive. But in prison, you can get anything, any drug, whatever you want. Right now, which wasn't then, the prisons were just becoming privatized when I got there. This private prison system Mm. is is straight scandalous. There's
0: money in prisoners, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: (laughs) But right now, I deal with a lot, you know, several people that are in prison, and cell phones sell for $1,000. Yeah. The guards actually, you know, And I'm gonna say allegedly, um, cell cell phones. And then there's a big, huge raid, and all the cell phones get swooped up, and they get redistributed. And that is, you know, how our penal system is. So I could have gotten drugs uh, in prison, and uh, they were plentiful. But of course, that's when I decided that change truly can happen, and it was either do some changing or die, because I wasn't coming back. I couldn't go back. And I knew I couldn't do it again.
0: So you had the offer of drugs, I presume, right? Um,
1: a lot, a lot of them. So Not only that, my my knitting needles. I became so good with knitting that I could get anything in the prison and anything <laughs> out of the prison. So you were I knitting jumpers
0: and things for people and uh, making money, maybe. Well, the
1: guards. no, the guards, you know. I, I knit five-piece suits. I can't even tell you h- how exquisite hand knits. So, the guards fell in love with me, and uh, but I, I, if anyone came to me and asked me about any drugs, uh, they, they laid down in maximum security. I had that kind of clout that I could literally get you swooped up and put in max for just coming to me. So the word got around real uh, quickly not to go to Cheryl with, with anything as far as, now if you wanted some Red Lobster, I could probably work that out. some Ritz crackers (laughs) brand name I I could get stuff like that
0: (laughs) so resourceful did you did you go into any program in in there like
1: while I was there yes indeed what a great question Um, I ended up going into it was called rehab and we were the very first institution in the nation to leave the institution and go learn construction Again, awesome. the prisons were just becoming privatized, so this was actually a minister who had a church who thought of this program, and we learned um, carpentry, like drywall. I can build a house, roofing, siding, and God, we got a dollar twenty-seven cent a day for building houses. So we would go to a particular area in Lima, Ohio, and we rebuild homes. But when you got out, when I got out, that if there was any one thing that changed my life, because when I came out of prison, I literally had a skill, and for the very first time, um, I could go get a job that would make money, enough money to you know make some sense.
0: Did you ever and have that's a real j- what I did. did you ever ever have a real job show? No
1: Did you ever have one now?
0: Uh, did you ever have a real job before that?
1: No, um I didn't have a real job before prison. Okay. I was I was in so much pain. Yeah. And uh, you know my undergrad was fashion. So I could sew, but no. Yeah. So no, no not so really.
0: So you're your facing world at what age when you came out like d- d- like did you have the skills is what I'm saying. I mean I just find it hard to comprehend somebody with a life like that so young and it going so wrong then ending up in prison. Not to have the life skills. I mean, there's a lot of catch up to do in a way. Um, where did you gain the confidence and things?
1: Yeah, would you say that to have life skills? Huh?
0: Yeah. Like That's com- what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. Life skills and the confidence. Where did that come from?
1: The confidence uh, got built over time. Um, I often uh, say to people that. We have drug rehabilitation centers and last time I checked one was like before the uh, everything changed in our society because that's I don't even like to give the virus a name things just changed uh, but I was like a hundred thousand a month at some drug rehabilitation centers and yet as fast as we and watch this, blink our eyes. Wait a minute. Blink your eyes real quick. Everybody just listening. Blink your eyes. Blink your eyes. Now your mind just had to tell your eyes to blink. So quicker than you blink your eyes is how you make up your mind. It's just that simple. However, we are human beings and we really like to believe that it takes a lot to change, but it doesn't. And we're human beings, so we got this wonderful thing called choice. I didn't know that, so it took time to build up the confidence. Just coming home from the penitentiary and you are supposedly you've paid your dues and you can come back to society. No, being an ex-convict is one level above death in our society.
0: Really? So you're really up against it? very
1: much so. Wow. You're really, really up against it. So what I share now and I've you know, and I've spoken inside of juvenile halls foster homes prisons a whole bit I tell young people get a trade because one thing about working construction uh it gave me the ability to have a trade I did not become skilled trade I tell young people whatever you do become an electrician or a plumber because wherever you go your job goes and that empowers you And so between Turner Construction, and which is where I got a job, thank you, Turner. I can't wait to the day that they finally be like, said, oh, we didn't make a mistake. But yeah, I got a job at Turner Construction. And I was, like I said, I was from there making some serious choices that, and when Eric got killed, I got all kinds of calls when my son got killed in a car accident. I got folks from my past. It was like, girl, we heard what happened. Come on, we got it. You don't need no money. We got some bomb. You know, heroin, is it's off the chain. We know you need something. And, and I thought I did. And I got all the way in the car and got ready to drive off with my mother screaming and crying. And I heard Grandma Beulah's voice. And along with that voice came my son's voice who had just got killed. And I backed the car up, parked it and it's been just making choice since then understanding the privilege of being a human being and being able to make a choice we may be victims when we are little but we can become survivors at any given moment once you are grown
0: that's a powerful message that's there's there's power Thank you. there's power in those choices when there's a disconnect from that old programming yeah i mean that's profound. I mean, I can see you sitting in a car going, I'm either going to shoot myself up and probably kill myself as well and yes. go a different different road, you know, a different road. Um,
1: and drowning in pain in that, at that time. You know, life's going to bring us, No, none of us, you know, the great equaliser came yeah. and it, they called it COVID-19. For so the first time in the history of the world, and I will say this with ease, Uh, Rich people and broke people had so much in common. Mm. I didn't say poor. Poor is a state of mind. Broke is a situation. But we really are going to go through challenges, obstacles. And when you look at them instead of hard times, hard, no. A desk is hard. A wall, hard. It's a challenge. And when you look at life like that, when you understand that it's all really magical as long as you're waking up. Now I had to find some tools along the way and I know we're getting ready to wrap soon so allow me to say this. The very first thing I did was I started stretching and breathing. And I started that 3 minutes. 3 minutes on the floor. And that was when I was inside when I was inside prison I started exercising. The exercise kicked off the same chemical. The creator is so merciful. We have a chemical in our brain that gets us drunk. That's why we turn around in circles when we're little. You see a little kid spinning. That's the chemical. That's what they're after, that euphoric feeling. So it's in there and exercise kicked it off. Then I found something called yoga and I realized no pain, no gain. That's a lie. Breathing long, slow, and deep. Close your eyes real quick. Everybody who's blessed to be listening, feel the cool air coming into your nostril, warm air releasing cool air in the nose, only warm air releasing one more time, cool air in the nose, only warm air releasing. If you did not let a voice tell you not to do that, what voice that voice in your head or is it a thought thoughts when you want to stay out of the mental institution voices when you want to go in, but I call them voices. So if you didn't let that sabotage voice, because there's always a couple of them talking, if you closed your eyes and you did that, the mind can't think of two things at one time, which is why I flooded and say it so quick. So you just have peace, your birthright. You just found the silence between the chatter inside the mind, whether it's your your life's wonderful or it's judgmental, whatever it is, it's chatter, chatter, chatter. So becoming in tuned With the voices inside the head, I'm finding the silence between the chatter gives you a moment to just be. And then suddenly you have your peace of mind, which was really your birthright. Mm -hmm. Your courage and your freedom you were born with. It just gets buried. So I encourage everyone, movement. I don't like to say yoga, although I've been practicing for 22 years. Breath and movement. Start as basic as you want to and listen to the voices. Go to the mirror, do the mirror exercise, look into your eyes, look through your eyes into your soul. And with every thought or voice, whichever one, write it down. Start keeping a log of what comes into your mind. And that's going to give you some stability to be able to step outside of life with the breath. And now you can think because you're not caught up in every moment. So I encourage everyone. That's where it started for me. If I can tell you anything, start a stretch and breathing routine. Do that mirror exercise. And the only way I can put it is your brain literally rewires itself. And suddenly you fall in love with you and life.
0: I'm so glad you found some ease, Cheryl. And I totally get the fact of you're disconnected from the old thinking patterns because we believe we're, it, we're, we're, we're there's a, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. I get you. And uh, I love it. Yeah, there's an ease Disconnect in your life. Disconnect
1: from the old thinking patterns. I like that.
0: It's like you're, you're you're at ease now, aren't you? I mean, you got, I'm glad you got some ease because that was a tough, that was a tough time. That was a tough time.
1: Yeah, I was. I believe I was saved to touch lives, and that's all. Hollywood, you know, I've got two shows coming in in entertainment.
0: I know, Uh, producer, and hold on a minute, psychologist as well. You're skipping a big part of it. Yeah, you became a psychologist too. Come on.
1: What? I got out of yeah. I got out of prison and decided. Whoa! While I was in prison, I decided you got to do some things differently. You're not that bad. You gotta, <laughs> you know, figure this out. Yeah. So I go back and I get I I have one class when I dropped out with an undergrad in fashion and a minor in psych at Kent State. Uh, in Kent, Ohio. And I got out and went to Antioch University. Most people think I got my master's in, in prison. No, yeah, yeah. which is great, too. All the education has been taken out of the prisons now. You can't even, you know, mm. it's not like that. I used to get a degree there. From mm. my understanding, that stopped due to the privatization. But yeah, I got out, went to Antioch University here in, in Southern California, got a master's in clinical psychology. Wow. And I I actually left Cleveland with five boxes, of computer and a dream chasing something I thought was called success. And the creator held it back for many years until I found out that can only be found inside financial security, financial success. Yes, success inside. So now things uh, are happening in old Hollywood. There is a gentleman by the name of Mr. Doug Deluca. I have his name here. That's a,
0: that's a big name. Go on, tell us all about Doug Deluca. This is, this
1: is uh, nice. what I will tell you is that many people crossed my path in in Hollywood as I checked door number one, number two, number three. But it was Doug Deluca who saw past the glasses, saw past the clothes, and saw my heart. And He has a history in this town and has put his name on my show. And right now the show is over at a network and I'm honored that he's in my life because he makes this world a better place. And I think for sure that Doug knows that when it all happens, I will do the work. Hollywood is my passion, but feeding homeless people and bowing down when they take the food from my hand is my purpose. I have found my purpose. And as we wrap this, my prayer is that each one of you are touched by the words that I have said. And I pray that it falls on fertile ground because just as simple as it it is to hurt and hate yourself, it's just that simple to simply fall in love with yourself and love this thing called breath. Because that's the last thing we do, guys. It all comes down to... I'm going to say it one more time. The rest of it is an illusion. So as long as you're waking up with breath, no, you're okay. Everything is fine. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you so much. You're an inspiration. (laughs) And as long as you're breathing, you know, and be mindful and be careful what you say to, to the kids and, you know. You know, be careful. That's what true. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Save the babies. <laughs> save, yeah.
0: Well, you know, Thank yeah, you. yeah. Um, yes. I wish you many successes, and I'm and I'm sure, going by what you've taught me, there's big, big things to come from your shower, You know, um, and I can't wait to see what happens. I mean, I'm really excited for you. Um, <laughs> well, it's going I'm to be honored weird.
1: when it all pop when, when it all takes off. The one thing you'll know is you'll always be able to get your interviews because you were smart enough to say, "Wait a minute."
0: Yeah, I oh, she was on my tell show. Yeah. I told her. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. Her. Yeah. <laughs> I am uh, I'm honored. That's all I can say. Moments like this, I got tears in my eyes right now. It Humbles me. Thank,
0: Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Cheryl. you. Take care, uh Cheryl. Thank you. Okay.
1: God bless you. God Bye. Bless. <laughs>